What is up, Gen Xers? Welcome back to the water. Another week it's been. Uh, we are limping around into the holiday season, and if you're like me, it couldn't come soon enough. I'm, I need a distraction. I need something that doesn't just get horribly under my skin uh, to look forward to, but uh, it, it, it seems to be a, p- a painful ride to get there. So uh, where are we this week? Uh, still uh, irritating uh, uh, political issues that are still uh, echoing out there. The election is still not certified, although you wouldn't know that from either seeing and watching the news, seeing headlines, and certainly not listening to Joe Biden. But uh, officially, as it stands, the election has not been officially certified. There's still uh, a manual recount going on in Georgia. There are lawsuits in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Nevada. And uh, at some point, they're just going to you know, run out of time. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. There's not, not a whole lot of updates that have gone on. Um, but, and we'll see where that goes. It could mean a number of things. But eventually, you know, around December 10th or 14th, uh, you know, the electors uh, have to meet and certify uh, the, the election and give us a new president-elect officially. That is not determined by the, the press, although the press would love for them to be able to have that power. They do not. That is not what our Constitution dictates. They give that power to the electors through the state legislators. So we'll see where this goes. Um, but again, those lawsuits are pending, and uh, I am extremely skeptical as to what evidence they are going to find. I am certain, just by experience, that the Democrats um, cheated like crazy, uh, particularly in all the swing states. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, it's swept under the rug time and time again. Um, but the question is, is there going to be enough evidence? Again, I'm certain that if you were to audit these things by hand all across the country, you would find that at least on an electoral vote basis, Donald Trump would win the election. But are they going to be able to find enough evidence to overturn the what, what looks like is going to be a Biden victory? That I don't know. And to be honest, I don't think they will. I, I think there's probably been enough care to... And to cover this up, I think there's going to be enough willing accomplices in the media and within the, the, the courts and, and the, the local level uh, to, to sweep this by and to, to, to run out the clock. But again, could be wrong. We'll, we'll see where that goes. But you know, interesting enough, you know, it's been noted that as recently as last year, Senators Warren and Klobuchar uh, raised concerns over the Dominion software that is used by many states, particularly those in the in the swing states. Um, their concern was that the that votes could be switched, which is very interesting under the circumstances. So it could mean a number of things. Number one, they were sincere and and straightforward and, and worried that that votes could uh, could flip against their candidate against you know towards uh, the favor of, of Donald Trump, or it could mean that maybe they know something. Maybe they were raising that concern um, because that's exactly what uh, what they intended to do. I you call me a skeptic. I, I don't exactly have my tinfoil hat on, but I'm very skeptical whether 
Senators Warren and Klobuchar were on the up and up again. They were both candidates at the time, but interesting that they raised those concerns. And here we are where there have been within that software errors that have been documented um, or at least affidavits that have been put out, uh, you know, claiming exactly that. And, you know, they, as far as the Democrats go and the media goes, they raise their hand and say, no, 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 we're done, we're done. Uh, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Uh, you know, kind of like that, that Leslie Nielsen meme of, of him saying, uh, nothing to see here, and, and there's an explosion and fire in the background. But you know, that, that seems to be the stance that they're taking, which is really, really tough to, to take when you consider what happened four years ago now. I'm old enough to remember when 2016 came around and the election went away that they didn't like. And three years were, were spent with $32 million worth of investigations into the allegations that Russia used, used voting machines and voting software to flip votes towards Donald Trump, trying to invalidate the results of the 2016 presidential election. Three years were spent, $32 million into that exact investigation. And what did they find? Well, they found that, no, Russia did not hack into voting machines and voting software. And no, they did not change any votes. But there were a couple of low-level Russian uh, individuals or Russian officials who posted some things on Facebook and bought a few ads on Facebook. That's what they found for their three-year, $32 million investigation. And now here we are four years later where there seems to be genuine concern about exactly that, not necessarily from Russia, possibly, but that, that software was used in, to flip votes among other election abnormalities. And now we're being told to look the other way. So they're cool when things go against their way to spend three years and, uh, and millions to in investigate something that doesn't exist. And now we're being told nothing to see here. It's more than a little curious. But again, I, I'm not confident that they will be caught with their pants down. Um, but we'll see. And again, that's not a Bill Clinton reference, but uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But again, I'm, you know, color me skeptical. Again, now as we enter the holiday season, uh, we are on the verge of more lockdowns as, as far as uh, the coronavirus is concerned um, because across the country, uh, cases are spiking, although deaths are not, which is interesting because it only seems to mean that the death rate of, of the virus is ex extremely low, even lower than we thought. Now, I'm not one of those people who says that the the virus is, is a hoax. I'm not one of those people who says this is simply the flu, but it certainly is a flu. It is not something that we can inoculate away. This is not polio. This is not smallpox. This is not Ebola. It is going to be here indefinitely. You know, much like the Spanish flu is still around. We, that thing has been echoing for over 100 years. And we just have lived with it. We have herd immunity. We have vaccines to try to mitigate uh, that being caught. But every year, millions of people get the flu. Every year, hundreds of thousands of people die from complications of the flu. 
Um, but for reasons that just are jaw-dropping to me, this one has made the world come to a halt, and I don't get it. Um, first things first, this is something that's originated in China, um, whether it's from bat soup or from the lab in Wuhan, this came from them, and it was hid for months and months. Uh, there are reports that uh, it, it's this week that the, the virus manifested itself significantly earlier than originally thought. In Italy, in their hotspot, they believe now that some of the first cases actually were appearing in September of 2019 rather than you know, much later in the year. But of course we didn't know that because the chai comms covered it up, lied about it, stonewalled, uh, whatever you want to call it, but, but they uh, did not do their part and they had willing accomplices in the WHO to, to help uh, hide their culpability for it. Um, thankfully, uh, at least under President Trump, we withdrew from that ridiculous organization. Now uh, under Biden, I'm sure we'll be jumping two, with two feet back into that uh, into that corrupt organization. But you know that, that in no small measure that has led us to where we are now. Um, but it's it's very now bizarre to see now a very predictable spike in cases of the of, of, of the virus and, and people becoming sick with it. Um, if in no small measure, because it is uh, magically flu season, we get into the the fall and winter months here in the northern hemisphere, and people get sick. It's just part of the human condition. But this is causing people to lose their ever-loving minds, and it is so strange. But now we're in in many many states, including here in Illinois, we are going back down into fear and lockdown mode, which it goes counter to what the CDC and the WHO have advised in the, in the past number of months. And they have advised against harsh lockdowns and, and strict measures like that because uh, along, from, uh, along with not necessarily controlling the virus, it causes so many other things. You know, you know, this year, you know, suicides are up 200%. You know, in, in New York City in March when the virus was just wreaking havoc on, in that state and in that city um, because uh, elective procedures were put off to, you know, so they could handle the virus. You know, heart attacks were up 800% during that time in March, in the, in, in the end of March, when they enacted their harshest policies. So, you know, we, we seem to be trying to solve one problem by creating dozens more, and it, I just don't understand it. It's strange. You know, I'm not someone who's prone to live in fear, but we have been living in fear for the better part of eight to nine months, at least here in the U.S. we have, um, and I, I just don't understand it. And so now we are, are, are back into, into um, you know, these uh, harsh and dramatic steps to try to control this thing. Um, and I, 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 just, I just need one official... Uh, even if it's you know Governor Pritzker here in Illinois to tell me and explain to me how these lockdowns now are going to do the job that they didn't do in the spring because we did it for several weeks. In fact, we were told 15 days to slow the spread. Well, now we are day 100 plus of our 15 days to slow the spread, and the spread doesn't seem to be slowing. 
and we are running around with our hair on fire, and I, I don't get it. And now we're being told to curb our activities for Thanksgiving, which is really, really bizarre to me. Because the last time they seemed to go crazy over uh, normal family get-togethers that we do, at least here in the U.S., was the, uh, Independence Day in July. The time before that, it was Easter. It seems to be, ever since this thing has percolated up, that whenever we get to a holiday where family and friends get together, we have officials in the government, particularly in, in blue states with blue governors, and for the presumed winner of, of the uh, presidency, we are told to not gather, not just in public, but in private. And as a Gen Xer, that's something that sends up all kinds of red flags and makes me simply want to extend my middle finger and say, screw you, government. There, Joe Biden has now has said that there should be no more than 10 people gathered at Thanksgiving. Uh, excuse me, uh, presumed President-elect Biden. I can get together with whomever I freaking please. You are not the arbiter of that. I am. I can get together with whomever I want, whenever I want. That has nothing to do with you, with the government, with any state official here in Illinois or any local, local county official, you can go pound sand. I will do whatever I freaking please. You have no say in that. And now you're telling us that we need to not do Thanksgiving, but people by the thousands can gather to celebrate your election? Are you freaking kidding me? You have to be as if you must be as senile as I have thought you were this whole time. If you think I'm going to buy that, you can go pound sand. And now we're hearing, along with Thanksgiving being in doubt, Jake Tapper from CNN says that Christmas is, is in doubt. Seriously? I don't care what freaking holiday, none of them are in doubt. I can celebrate Christmas however I please, you can celebrate whatever holiday you please. People can celebrate Hanukkah however they please. It is not in doubt because of a freaking virus. Go screw yourself, Jake Tapper. And non surprisingly, we are seeing blue governors violate the exact thing that they are, are, are telling us to do. We've seen in just this week Governor Newsom in California, Governor Whitmer in Michigan, going completely counter to their advice and, and admonitions to their citizens, and they have been caught at events without masks. <gasps> the horror. Now, to be honest, go to your events. I don't care. Go to your events without a, a mask. I don't care. But don't you dare tell me what I must do. Don't you dare tell me that I can't have more than 10 people for Thanksgiving. Don't you dare tell me that I need to socially distance in my own freaking home and wear a mask in my own freaking home, and you're going to do this. Don't you dare. Governor Pritzker, don't you dare tell me what I need to do and have your daughter do the opposite. Screw you guys. As a member of Gen X, I can smell that hypocrisy from a mile away. You can go pound sand. I'm going to ignore you, and I'm not going to comply. You, maybe I'm the new resistance. You guys have had your cute little resistance for four years. Maybe I'm part of the new resistance, but I will not comply. I'm going to do whatever I freaking want, even if that's just me being alone. If it, I want to do it, 
that's what I'm going to freaking do. I'm a Gen Xer. I am independent. I am free. I'm going to do whatever I want. Ugh, but that's, it's just so weird to me that they raise the alarm for family events whenever they want to just clamp down on control. And I, for one, am not going to comply. But, you know, we're, we're slipping backwards. It's very predictable. And I just, I just need to have them explain to me how this time is going to be different. Because I don't understand how we're seeing these spikes in cases when we have been wearing masks since March. We here in Illinois, we are wearing masks, and I, I don't think it's a big deal. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But if you want to wear a mask that makes you feel better, wear a mask. I don't really care. But I, I just remember from spending time in Japan when people would get sick in, in the wintertime, you would see people walking around with masks. Now, by and large, they tend to be older people, but not all the time. But they didn't want to spread something that that they had. Even if they weren't violently ill, if they just kind of felt like they were coming out with a cold, they would wear a mask in public. No, that's fine. If, if that helps to, to slow something, that's great. Um, but if you don't want to, then I don't, I don't really care. But you know, there was a study in Denmark that came out recently that did not find any evidence that wearing a mask prevents the wearer from getting sick. Again, that's not the purpose of them. But there was no evidence in that study that it prevents them from getting sick. Now, in that study, they didn't say, it didn't find whether or not wearing a mask prevented them from spreading something. Again, that's the intention, but that's what we've been doing since March, and we're told over and over again to wear our mask, that any time the numbers spike, that just wear your mask, just do your part and wear your mask, as, as though that's some panacea. We've been wearing our masks. How in the world is it spiking when we have been wearing our masks? Every time I go out in public, Go to the store, we're wearing masks. I go to work, wearing masks. How are we spiking if we are wear, all wearing masks? Maybe, you know, call me, call me crazy, call me a conspiracy nut, but, you know, maybe wearing a mask and not wearing a mask is not the issue here. I'm just, I'm just going to go out on a limb. Now, I'm no Anthony Fauci, but, you know, maybe that's not, uh, maybe that's not what the problem here. Um, but it, it's, it's so strange that any time the numbers spike, they go after our behavior as though we are the problem. They clamp down on bars and restaurants, uh, synagogues, gyms, sports and funerals. Now, unless, of course, unless your name is George Floyd and John Lewis, then you can have the biggest freaking funeral you want. But if you're anyone else, then you can have no more than 10 fa family members, if that, if you're lucky, you can have less than it, the 10 family members. It, it, it just... Why, why are we complying? Why are we listening to these idiots? Why are we saying, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, okay, we'll have our, our, our family funeral with less than 10 people. When, when they're going to do that, are you freaking kidding me? And, but you know, also things that are okay, riots, protests, Biden celebrations, BLM riots, Antifa riots, those are all fine. Wedding, or funeral for grandma, not fine. I don't understand that. It's just so, so bizarre, and it's, it's where we have descended into, and I just, I just don't get it. And then, in, in, in response to all this nonsense, too, my boy Anthony Fauci, I mean, we're talking about a dude who has been wrong in every prediction. We're talking about a dude who, who contradicts himself at any turn, at any and every turn, and he has said that, you know, Americans tend to have a free spirit, but now it's time to do as you're told. Anthony Fauci, 
of all people are trying to tell you and me to do as we're told? Well, I can tell you, sir, as a member of Gen X and as an American, I will never do as I am told so long as that doing is coming from the government. As stated in the Declaration of Independence, my rights do not come from the government. My rights do not come from you, sir. It comes from my maker, and I'm not going to listen to you if I don't want to, sir. I'm never going to do as I'm told. I will do as I see right, and it's not dictated by you. So again, you can go pound sand. Ah, boy, I just, it's this nonsense with COVID. I just don't get it. I don't understand the panic. I don't understand the fear. Unless you want to put on your tinfoil hat with me and say this is all by design, this is, was all planned, that you know, Soros f- funding in that Wuhan lab in, in advance of an election, maybe, I don't know. But what I know is not right is everything that they have been doing and all the control that they are trying to take over you and me. And I'm simply one who's not going to do what I am told. Speaking of not doing as I'm told, now that it looks like we have a Democrat going back into the White House, there's been a lot of talk this week about relieving student debt. Again, this is something that it's it's strange to me. I know it's an issue, um, but we continually seem to talk about forgiving student debt without any discussion on why there is student debt and why it's so much. Why is it that college is so expensive? Why is it that colleges charge so much and and have such huge endowments and have such high salaries for their professors? And it, it just goes up and up and up, far outpacing the rate of inflation over generations. And we seem to be cool with it, and we're, we've been paying it like crazy, and now it's a problem. Um, I get that, that having that level of debt within our economy is not a good thing, but you're just going to forgive it? Uh, what about those 64% of people who didn't attend college? What about those people who did and did it responsibly and have paid it back or paid it along the way? I mean, if you're like me... You had some saved up for college, you worked some, and you borrowed a little bit to finish it off, and you paid it all off. What about us? Us, along with those other 64% who didn't attend college, we're now having to bail out all of those morons who went for six to eight years and had some ridiculous arch degree and now are deeply in debt and living with mom and dad in their basement, and we need to bail them out? You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of way back when, uh, in 2008, when President Hope and Change uh, was elected, and one of the first things he wanted to do in, in response to the, the uh, mortgage crisis and, and the, the, the havoc that that wreaked on the market, he wanted to start a discussion of forgiving uh, mortgages you know, and, and bail out you know, private mortgages for people who had um, borrowed way past uh, what they were able to pay. And if you remember, that's what Anthony uh, Sinelli or whatever it is from MSNBC, he said, we need a new Tea Party. We need to, to throw these people into the Boston Harbor. And that started the whole Tea Party movement. 
It reminds me exactly of that. You get a Democrat in the White House, and they immediately start talking about forgiving debt for people who do not deserve having debt forgiven. Because it's not like you can just snap your fingers and have it go away. That's, that's owned by somebody, and you're just going to magically make it go away? No, it has to be paid by somebody. And this would be paid by all of us, all of those who didn't attend college and all of us who were responsible. And you think you're going to put that burden on our backs? Are you freaking kidding me? We need a new Tea Party somehow. We need a new movement to, to just not accept this crap. But we'll see if this, uh, if this issue gets any traction and gains any momentum. But I don't know. It's, but it's, it's unsurprising that this is one of the first things that have percolated up as this idiot uh, prepares to uh, take his, his uh, seat in, in the White House. Again, it's not going to be him. It's going to be all, all the, the people who, uh, who put him in, in that office or, or all the, the promises that he and, and his son, uh, his, his meth addict son, who, who they have promises to, and they, they need to, to make good on them now. But it's certainly not going to be... Uh, be that senile, uh, senile old dude that that seventy plus million uh, voted for. But we'll we'll see. Now, lastly, here I I uh, want to switch gears and you know, finally get to talk about something that's not you know, political in nature. But uh, me being in Illinois, me being a lifelong diehard Cub fan and a season ticket holder, uh, the news came out recently that Theo Epstein has decided to step down as uh, president of baseball operations. Um, he's been in that position nine years, and uh, he, he, coming into it, he, he would espouse the, the philosophy from, from, uh, from Bill Walsh from the 49ers that if you, once you spend you know, 10 years in an organization in a, in a coaching capacity or, or in an executive capacity that you know, things tend to get stale and time to move on and and he seems to be uh, be holding to that, and and he's stepping away from the ball club. But um, but what a ride it has been um, f- for us as Cub fans. And, you know, he he was able to end a long uh, championship drought with the Red Sox, and he did the same thing here in Chicago. You know, he was the architect of the rebuild of that organization, uh, and he infused a lot of talent and and a lot of positive changes within the organization uh, from a player development standpoint and and uh, from a talent management and scouting standpoint and it resulted in you know multiple division championships and playoff appearances and winning seasons and ultimately and culminated by the world series in 2016 which i for one have, will never ever forget um i you know spent the majority of of my childhood and into early adulthood just not being able to conceptualize of the Cubs winning the World Series. And I remember saying that it'll never happen in my lifetime. I just did, couldn't dream that it would happen. Now, I, I stayed, uh, stayed loyal. I stayed, you know, a, a diehard fan. But there's always that, that nagging suspicion in the back of my mind that it may never happen in my lifetime. But you know, I'm going to cheer for them anyway because it's my team. And, and he uh, certainly changed that. He's changed the culture. He changed the perception of... The organization and brought home at least one world championship and to that Theo I want to say thank you thank you you know on behalf of me myself and my family uh, thank you it, it's been quite a ride it's been a lot of fun 
uh, being able to go to the ballpark and and watch winning baseball and and watch an organization that uh, we as fans can be proud of. I'm excited to see where Jed Hoyer will take it now, and because it's not as though everything was perfect with Theo at the helm, along with the the trades and and smart draft picks and and free agent signings that he made. He certainly made a lot of mistakes and did a lot of things wrong, which you know almost kind of took his own legs out. Uh, I I think anybody would would say that. with the talent that he brought together that we expected probably a little bit more than this, at least another World Series appearance or two or possibly even another championship. But we've only had the one, and in many ways it feels a lot like the Bears in the 1980s where they won the one Super Bowl, and with all the talent that they had, you certainly expected to see more. They won a lot but never quite got back there. Regardless, me being a Cup fan my entire life and getting to taste that championship and and for a short time, being the envy of the league was uh, quite a ride and an experience that I'll, I'll never forget. And being able to attend that championship parade uh, following that World Series and, and being part of the, at least in the Western Hemisphere, the largest gathering in human history, um, certainly the, the largest non-religious gathering in human history was, was an experience that I'll never forget. My kids will never forget. And it was just just a fun ride, and, and so uh, as, as sad as I am to see him go, I'm, I'm really left with nothing else but gratitude and, and saying thank you, Theo, for all that you did, and, and best of luck in whatever it is that you do uh, here on out. So that being said, you know, I look forward again to, to, a, to a holiday uh, week, and Thanksgiving is one of my favorites, and, and I look forward to that, you know, celebrating that in spite of what yeah, anyone else would would have me do. But again, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm going to do what I want, as will you. So until then, stay cool, Gen X.